Welcome to the latest edition of the Pact Podcast. My name is Stacey. I'm a sales enablement manager here at Pact. And I'm Rich, a product manager at Pact. And this week we're throwing the spotlight on the challenges around using open source programming languages and looking into one of the solutions that's designed to help organisations be more productive and build better, more reliable software. So the solution in question is ActiveState. And ActiveState, to quote from its website, makes it easy to build stable, reproducible and easy to deploy runtimes in any language on any platform. Now, this means in theory that developers can spend more time coding and less time build engineering. To find out what this means in practice, we spoke to ActiveState CEO Bart Copeland. Bart explained some of the key ideas around ActiveState and how it's been applied by engineering teams across the world. He also gave us his perspective on some of the broader issues around open source software and what the future might look like as well. So let's have a listen to what he had to say. Um, so Stacy and Richard, my name is Bart Copeland. I Yes, I've had the privilege of being the CEO of ActiveState since 2006. A little bit about myself. I'm uh, trained as an engineer with an MBA in technology management. And my passion for almost 30, year now, 30 years now has been building and growing tech companies, specifically from a software perspective. And why I love software because there's no cost of goods sold. You know, there's no inventory. And the beauty of software is you build something out of intellectual property and then you distribute it to, to the world, so to speak. Uh, that's about me. I guess a little bit more about me. I'm an angel investor. I like to get involved with other young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs at different ages uh, and uh, make investments in their company. So between Active State and my angel investing, I have a pretty full portfolio. More importantly about Active State, Active State has a fascinating history. It's been established, it was established in 1997 by a good friend of mine, Dick Hart, um, and he grew it and eventually it was sold in 2006 to Sophos. But Sophos acquired Active State for one product, an anti-spam product called Pure Message. The rest of Active State's products were orphaned within Sophos. So myself and some outside investors, we acquired those orphaned products in 2006. And then we grew ActiveState going forward. And if you look at ActiveState history, there's one com- there's something common about ActiveState. Everything that ActiveState does is about open source, about developers, and the enterprise. And so since the pure message product that ActiveState did uh, for, for anti-spam, we then did a private PaaS solution based on open source Cloud Foundry. We also have an IDE called Komodo, which is based on the open source Mozilla framework. And we also have a business unit around open source programming languages that are based on, of course, open source programming languages. And today, ActiveState is all about open source language automation and making it very easy to build, certify, and resolve your open source runtimes. But the the other common thread with ActiveState, in addition to open source, developers in the enterprise is our mantra at ActiveState is twofold. One is we really want to make solutions for developers that just work and we want to make open source easy for the enterprise. So that uh, Richard and Stacy, that just gives you a sense of myself and, and ActiveState. No, that's really useful. Thank you for that. Um, I guess I kind of kind of following on from that, what could you sort of explain um, kind of 
lot of kind of what the reasons are sort of behind active state and kind of what it's sort of developed out of and in response to as well yeah i think there there is our we're a company built by geeks for geeks so we're a very geeky company and we don't say that in a derogatory sense we celebrate it we we love the fact that we're geeks and we love building solutions that other geeks can use and in this case they're developers and so we are a developer-centric company building solutions for other developers. And what came about was open source back in the late 90s and even throughout the, uh, the 2000s um, was really hard to use. It was great. It still is great. But it was hard to use at scale. So our job or what we wanted to do is make it much easier for developers to use open source and much easier for enterprises to use open source. And that's what drives us. At the end of the day, we as an organization, we as developers are super happy when it just works. And I know that sounds a little bit of cliche, but that's what really motivates us as an organization. And we get a lot of excitement when a, a, a developer outside of ActiveState goes, wow, this just worked. You made my job so much easier, ActiveState. Thank you. Now, we don't always get it right, uh, but that is what drives us and 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 the impetus was some of the complexities of open source. For example, um, one of our claims to fame was we ported Perl, the open source programming language Perl, to Windows because in the late 90s, it was a beast to deal with Perl on the Windows operating system. So we just took care of that. And to this, to this day, we still have literally hundreds of thousands of downloads of active Perl on Windows that uh, developers throughout the world use. So those are some of the driving forces that you know motivates us here at Active State. No, that's really cool. Thank you. Um, I, and I guess I just think maybe for anyone sort of that um, hasn't ever come across Active State, could you just give a really sort of high level explanation of kind of how it works in in sort of practical terms? Yeah. So how it works, I often say Active State is exactly like Red Hat. So what Red Hat did to Linux, providing enterprise grade Linux distributions. ActiveState does for open source programming languages. So we have a model at ActiveState where you come to us, you can get free language distributions of, of the languages that you care about. Today, it's Perl, Tickle, and Python, and there's other languages up, upstream that we're working on. You can download those for free, and as long as they're for development use only, you continue to use them for free. But if you move into production, then with us, you pay an enterprise grade license depending on volume and scale. So it's very, it's a similar to what Red Hat does to Linux, but we do it for open source uh, runtimes. But with open source language automation that I mentioned to you, our business is morphing from what I refer to as distribution as a service to a platform where you can actually self-serve and build your specific language runtime. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because I have a feeling, Richard and Stacey, you'll probably have some questions around that. Yes, we definitely will on those part. Um, the next thing I did want to ask you though was, um, you've already mentioned about open source and we know we've seen such a huge growth, huge growth in that, in just kind of the, the last decade or so. Um, has that kind of made um, Active State kind of a bit more uh, visible, I suppose, and, and um, have the issues become more urgent that Active State is kind of plug-in? Yeah, I mean, I remember when we first uh, started Active State and I was involved with Dick in the early days um, 
I wasn't now operationally involved, but nobody knew about open source. And it was like, it was a really tough uphill battle um, as far as, you know, embracing open source as a viable solution. And even in between 2006 and I would say 2010, 2012, still there was this, this uh, tendency, well, is open source really viable? Whereas today, open source has won. There is no question, if you are to compete at any level uh, and have the velocity and the innovation that you need in an organization of any uh, size or shape, you need to embrace open source. So today, the conversation about whether you should use open source or not is irrelevant. Everybody is using open source. Whereas 10 years ago, it was, well, should we should we be using open source? Now, I'm pretty sure CIOs and CTOs and technical leaders in large companies and any companies realize that if they don't, they, if they don't use open source, they're going to be going too slow relative to the competitors. And, you know, you can look, for example, what Google's done and Facebook has done and Netflix has done. They built entire platforms based on open source software. Yeah, no, kind of um, on that sort of line then. So if, if kind of open source is obviously like like say said like you said sort of developed so much over the last decade i mean what what kind of does that mean the sort of overall like value of active state is and, and i guess there's kind of two part two other parts of this question so kind of what do like enterprise organizations at the moment need and um and what do open source languages also need in terms of like support and maintenance yeah so it's a really good question richard because when you when you look at the enterprise i think of the uh, the management and then the other aspect is you need to look at the developer within the enterprise so we look at both constituents so if you look at the enterprise they uh, and the managers within enterprise they want to make sure that it works and it doesn't cause security threats and they're in compliance with all the licenses and the result is due to the complexities of open source management within the enterprise will often limit the developers on what languages or what open source stacks they can use because the more stacks you have, the more complexity you have in an organization. So that's the management's perspective. So they want it to work, they want it to be safe from a security perspective, and they want to be in compliance with all licenses. Now, the other perspective is from a developer. A developer is a very technical and creative individual. And they want to be able to use the right tools to build the right solution. And so if a developer is handcuffed to certain technology stacks, they may not be able to use the best solution, uh, the best technology to solve the problem and come up with the best solution. So developers ultimately are about the technology. And the developers, they... Obviously, they, they care about security and they care about licenses, but they really don't want to think about it. They just want to build solutions that they know they're in compliance with the licenses and they know they're in compliance with the security issues or they know security is taken care of. The other key thing that de developers struggle with tremendously um, is the dependency management or the dependency hell of all the packages that are around the open source runtime ecosystem. So if, for example, if you're working with Python today, the Python core is open source, but there's 155,000 packages that you can choose from to add to your Python core. 
So then as a developer, you say, okay, I want the Python core and I want these 400 packages. So now I need to bring in those packages into my language distribution. I need to build it. I need to build it for the operating systems I care about. And that's where developers go through dependency hell. And so there's a lot of struggles there because you, you build it and then a package will change, it gets updated, and then you need to rebuild it. So in summary, the perspective of an enterprise and how they're looking at open source is different than the perspective of the developer. And so what we do at ActiveState is we cater and we assist both constituents, the developer and management within the enterprise. No, that's cool. And and kind of I'm actually going to jump to kind of a later question that sort of seems um, relevant to that. And uh, and I get you sort of already mentioned it, but so in terms of this kind of like developer and kind of management and enterprise divide, um, I mean, who who do you kind of feel like you're primarily selling to in terms of the like active state product and and kind of how do you you have to like transcend that sort of divide between the two sort of groups, I guess. Yeah. So we at the we often say at active state. We're all, no, we often, we, we, not often, we think and eat and sleep and breathe the fact that we're actually selling to both. We, we need to create an experience for developers that is really easy for them to work with our solutions. So if it's not easy for them to uh, work with it, then they, they, won't accom- they, they won't engage with us. A great example is GitHub's success. GitHub started by building a platform that was highly appealing to developers. Developers just used it for their open source projects or for their personal projects at their source code control environment. Then they went to work and they said to their bosses, hey, we're using GitHub for our private, our personal projects. Can we use it for our projects to work? Because it's just so easy to use. Well, we have the same mindset at ActiveState. We make it very easy to use for developers, the active state platform around what we're doing around open source language automation. And then the developers say, hey, I like this so much. Can we use this at scale? And they bring it to their boss or their, their manager and their manager says, yes. And that's how, we, and, and, and then it, it, uh, we grow from there. So that's from the developer's perspective. But then from a management perspective, what often happens is managers recognize that they need to make it easy to allow their developers to embrace the latest and greatest technologies. So, and they realize in order for them to innovate, to have speed and reduce their quality and costs, they need to use the latest and greatest. So they need to come up with solutions that deal with license management issues, that deal with security issues. So we are also selling to those constituents and say, you know, if you're interested in Python, because Python is a very popular language right now, it's the, the probably, probably one of the fastest growing languages, and uh, managers are recognizing they need to look at embracing Python, but they're very concerned about license management and security management, and that's where we come in. They don't think as much about dependency management, but they might because they, they want to make sure that their applications don't get broken due to dependency issues. So in a nutshell, at ActiveState, we are always selling to both. We're selling to the developer and we're selling to the managers within the enterprise. 
And a question a little bit further on, on that bar is, are you starting to see more of a shift? I mean, previously, was it more developers? And now are you starting to see more managers and more C-suite interest? Or has it always been about 50-50? Um, I, I don't know if it was fifty ever 50-50. I would say there is an incredible interest for managers right now around license compliance and around security. That is top of mind. So... A uh, great example right now, not a great example, but the, the theme around security is we cannot bring in open source that has security issues that expose us where we can get hacked. And as your, as your listeners know, there's been countless of companies that have been hacked over the last couple of years. And sometimes those hacks have, been re- have resulted because open source that has been used has not been properly patched. Um, then, of course, there's the license issues. So the license issues that there is there is big concern within management and enterprises around certain licenses, specifically the AGPL or the copyleft licenses that for if you use it, it can expose all of your code to the to the open source ecosystem. So there is concern or rules around companies that say, you know what, we don't want to use certain licenses and that's we as we can assist with that so that's um that is a real driving force right now that we're seeing top of mind with managers whereas with developers a big aspect is dependency management and the dependency hell because if you think about it through the various open source programming languages that are out there today you know whether you think of python ruby php go javascript um, to mention a few, there is over a million open source packages that you can use across those ecosystems. So the dependency management is a horrendous task that we are tackling here at ActiveState. Thank you. It's good to hear the you know the two pain points on on both those parties, and it leads quite next nicely to the next question, which was, um, can you talk a little bit about the current ActiveState license and what it involves and and how it's changed over the years? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Stacy. Because our current active state license is is multi-tiered, and what I mean by that is that when you come to the active state platform and you log in and you download a language that has been built on the platform, we say to you, it's free to use as long as it's for for development use, and that has been pretty much standard for the last decade or so. But we are right now exploring and working with a few open source communities, which we're doing it in a private beta, kind of confidential. We're trying to say, well, how should we work with you and evolve our license? So as of today, the license that I just mentioned is the license. But we're looking at ways to make it even easier for open source communities to work with us and uh, work with uh, the Active State license. The, the active state license then from an enterprise perspective does evolve so that if you want um, to now use our language distributions or language runtimes that come out of the active state platform um, and you want to use it for production, then we have an enterprise tier license for that. Typically, though, in addition to the production use, enterprises want support. 
They want a certain SLA or service level agreement around support due to vulnerabilities or dependency management. Uh, so I meant security vulnerabilities or dependency management and making sure that we are checking on behalf of the enterprise for license issues. As well, they would like indemnification uh, for any IPE uh, litigation matters that may exist in, in open source. So we also indemnify, we stand behind and protect the enterprise from any IP infringement claims. And so that's what exists in the enterprise um, in the enterprise license. And there's a few other bits and bytes that exist in the enterprise license, but those are the core points. So that's the the what the active state license looks like today and some of the things that we're playing with in the open source ecosystem to possibly evolve our license. No, that's really cool. Thank you. Um, and kind of along those lines, I also wanted to get your um, perspective on just the kind of current state of open source licensing in general um, and kind of if you think it's sustainable at the moment and, you know, things that people are doing differently and what you think the future might look like? Oh, that's a fascinating question, Richard. So I, first of all, I think for sure open source license is sustainable, no question. Um, and it is proven to be a very effective way to grow ecosystems, to grow technology and to basically push innovation forward at speed. That being said, as your listeners know, there have been some changes or some attempts to change or be more creative with open source licenses. Um, there's some concern that certain cloud providers are being a little bit more predatory or not open source friendly. Uh, so there has some, been some changes there. Um, there's another aspect that I think is interesting. Um, Tidelift, which maybe some of your listeners know about, Tidelift is really looking at making it easy for maintainers of open source to earn an income from their uh, open source contributions. So that's some interesting changes that we're seeing um, uh, developing. Another interesting change, and I know it's too early to say, but I'm not sure how familiar readers are with NPM and uh, uh, that is the package repository for the JavaScript or uh, um, Node.js ecosystem. And that has been going through some challenges right now. So uh, a couple of individuals from that ecosystem are looking at a federated model. So actually, rather than having a sole company control a uh, the package registry, registry for NPN is, is there a federated model? So that's interesting. And that is in early developments that I believe the, the federated term, I think it's anthropic is what they are pushing. It's a CJ, a CJ who was formerly the CTO of NPM is driving that with uh, one of her colleagues. So those are, so in summary, there is, you know, some changes that certain open source company sorry some companies that are the key contributors to open source the open source ecosystem are playing with some licenses that's one there's tidelift that's working on a model to make the the contributors or the maintainers make an income and then you're seeing a, a possibly a federated approach so these are some changes that are on the horizon from active states perspective we just want to play well with open source. That's been our mantra since 1997. And we adapt and change 
What, what doesn't change is we want to make open source just work for developers and we want to make open source easy for the enterprise. And we're really driving that with the Active State platform and open source language automation. Really fascinating to hear about you know that um, development and and where it will be going as well. Um, and I guess the the last question I wanted to ask you, Bart, was just around um, kind of what do, what languages does Active State currently cover, um, and kind of your future plans as well. So we've kind of heard that you want to continue to play nicely with open source, but have you got anything kind of um, is there anything limiting in in there that means you can't play nicely, or you know kind of what do the plans look like for the future? Yeah, so um, there's nothing getting in the way of playing nicely. We're feeling like everything is full steam ahead. As I mentioned, Python, Perl, and Tickle are our core languages. We are working on uh, JavaScript and Ruby, and as well as PHP and Java. But so one of our challenges is the work that is necessary to support all the packages across those various languages. So what we're doing is we are also starting to build tools to make it very easy for developers and open source communities to actually bring in a programming language, an open source programming language, and the packages into the Active State platform. Those tools aren't available yet, but once we'll be able to do that, then we really can scale. Because ultimately our vision is, is there a runtime that we can help you build certify and resolve. And when I say build it, build it to the operating systems you care about, build it to the, uh, the language version and packages that you want, certify it against CVE or uh, security issues and licenses issues, and then resolve it. Meaning if there's a dependency issue in the future or there's a license issue or a, a security issue, we the platform just builds just resolves it for you automatically and then redistributes uh, a new runtime ready for you to consume. So that's uh, gives you a little bit of sense of what languages are focused on today, what what's coming down the uh, our, on our roadmap, and ultimately our vision is our platform will support any language that an open source community or a developer or enterprise cares about. That was a great conversation, really wide-ranging and illuminating on many of the issues around open source. Yeah, in particular, it was interesting to hear Bart talk about how active states being used by organisations. I think he puts forward a really clear view on the value of open source and really understands some of the caveats that come with it. Yeah, it sounds like active state has been built to really address those caveats and sort of help engineers to actually be more productive and kind of deliver um, more easily, I guess. Definitely. So that's all for this week. You can follow Bart on Twitter at Bart underscore Copeland. And remember, you can also follow Pact as well at Pact Pub. So thanks for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.